Simon. Good morning. This is the 29th of December. It's coming to the close of 2022. And a couple of days ago, I thought to myself, we've never been on air together at the same time. Correct. And what a great opportunity for this awesome duo to do a like 2022 year in review and think about some of our predictions, hopes and projects for the next year and share it with our adoring audience. So welcome to um, a sort of bonus episode of Coffee with Curtis with the best person I could have a coffee with. Good to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so look, we've had an interesting year. Um, We've had an interesting year working with Thankfully, again, some really, really amazing clients. Um, There's been highs and lows because it's been a really interesting year in terms of the market. And I think that's maybe where where we should start because like, I remember coming into like January 2022, we'd signed a bunch of really great clients and we just agreed to work with V, for example, and uh, we went very deep with V for, for a whole year. But the world changed dramatically in terms of the market. So in in January, nobody was thinking like they are now. It was still heavy investment coming in um, and there was a buoyant employment market and things very quickly turned the other direction. It was partly the war in Ukraine. It had massive knock-on effects um, across the market and the markets just seized up. So I guess, I guess, how have you felt the year's been? Yeah, it's been a, a turbulent year, as you said. Like, no, no sort of shock, surprise that any of our viewers or listeners are going to be blown away by hearing that. Um, I think it comes back to what we were taught years ago by one of our mentors, Richard Wolf, about the CAC, the customer acquisition cost. So companies just forgot about that um, with all the, the hype, the bubble, all the funds that they'd raised. And they were just spending money, didn't matter how much it cost to bring in clients. We even had conversations with our own clients where it's like we just need logos and revenue doesn't matter how much it costs to bring on that revenue we need to go from series a to b from b to c etc and it was all about bringing revenue in no matter what it costs to do that so things have completely flipped as we as we know and even i'm i've I've been slightly surprised by the amount of salespeople that have been cut i mean if the salespeople are costing more than they're producing that makes sense but Ultimately, companies are going to fail or succeed based on their sales, as we both know from our own experience. So that's been a quite a surprising trend for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still quite baffled why it's gone to that extent. There's so many great salespeople that have been let go. I think, uh, first of all, we have to pay absolute homage to Richard Wolf. I'm so pleased you raised his name in this podcast because I've now got visions and images and sounds in my head of him walking <laughs> through the corridors going, the cack is out of control. It is. He was a prophet of doom, but way ahead of his time, but he called it right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, but it's, I, I had a meeting yesterday, a consulting meeting with the company where they were looking at where they should focus their time over Q1 and Q2. And basically, I cut half the projects. I said, these things will not move the needle in terms of revenue, logos, or impacts across the business. They're all lovely things to have in a buoyant, open market. But unless the thing that you're working on, the deal, the project, the, the product, 
is actually going to um, move the needle in a big way and drive revenue, shelve it, shelve it. Look at it in, in H2, depending on how the market goes. Yeah, look, there's some great opportunities as well going forward. I mean, any company, and I'm working with quite a few, we're working with quite a few that fit this bill and they're, they're doing really well in this market. Any company that can clearly categorically show how each dollar spent can bring, say, say $5, for example, in an era where people are cutting, cutting, cutting costs, if you can show that you can generate more revenue or save hiring three or four people by doing it in an automated fashion, they should be winning big time going forward. What were the standout clients for you? We both worked with some really great companies this year, um, some of them longstanding, some of them who came in and out needed our advice during this period. Who were the standout clients for you? I think um, just because I've been with them for so long, and woo, I've been working with them for three years and they've had various iterations of products and you know the market, recruitment market's been up and down over that period. And probably seven, eight, nine months ago, they came up with a product and iteration that is just so, so fitting for the market, the time, the need, and it is flying off the shelves of product. It is unbelievable seeing how much people want to grab it from them. The time to sell is within days, not weeks or months. Um, the value is so clear to show. You can show it within five minutes as a demonstration. It hmm. takes minutes to implement. And that's a company that is shooting for the stars, to be honest. I think what I love about Liran, Liran Kotzer, the CEO there, is he has never given up. He's got utter belief in the direction he was heading, but was never scared to rip, rip out what had not been working and take a completely new direction until he found the, the right track. The fact, and this is also something quite interesting as well, he understands recruitment inside out, be it having had a very successful recruitment business himself. Whereas sometimes you, I've worked with founders or we've worked with founders that have almost like fallen into an industry by itself. Um, they're not not really passionate for it, haven't got much knowledge about it. And it doesn't mean they can't succeed, but when you've got that much industry background and knowledge, so he could see the trends ahead of the rest of the industry, and that's really what's propelled him to success. My standout company is Surgimate. Um, again, we've been working with them for a couple of years and stand out for their management team as well, from the CEO, Rebecca, Rebecca Brygirl, and, and all her management team. These people were at it for the best part of over a decade and a dogged grit and belief in what they were doing um, and just acquiring consistent logos, consistent solid business structure. I mean, we spoke before about you know the CAC out of control. These are business people who knew how to run their business properly and not take on huge investment actually over all of those years and, and then have a major investment take place this year was really, I think, um, sort of the, the, the icing on the cake for, for all of their hard work. You know, we've been involved for a couple of years, but you can just see the belief and the dogged consistency in getting these companies through it. Correct. And, and it's a great example about Surgery Mate. Like, they couldn't be a more deserving team to have the success that they've enjoyed, like great people, great culture, et cetera, and, and an amazing product. And it ties into what I was saying earlier about having a very clear ROI. They could show an amazing ROI on their product in terms of how it could add value, save money. It was just so easy to show that from A, a to Z. I think both of those products that we've mentioned, like Woo and Surgimate, 
they're products that have an actual direct outcome that people can feel is tangible. And I think that's maybe where the market's going to head for a while, that those companies that have, you know, nice to have products are going to find it hard until they are able to tweak how they're selling it. And, you know, the industries that I'm still seeing, and I'm sure you're seeing the same, uh, that are still doing well are energy, green tech, food tech, um, disruptive areas. I don't think they're going to be hit. And I think actually, you know, investment will still come into those. I was listening to a podcast with uh, Jack Levy from More VC, and funding is consistent, in fact, higher than ever for all of those climate change, environment, food tech, agri-tech areas. So I think that's an area that, you know, I personally want to get more involved in as well. Yeah, and it, and it ties into, if you're going back to the, the clear ROI, um, with any product, any sellers we've seen ourselves over many decades of selling, is how do you create urgency to buy now and not in six months? And when you look at the surge of makes and woos of this world, every month you're not implementing their product, it's costing you as a business a lot of money. And that's as a salesperson, that's gold to be able to better demonstrate that to a, a potential prospect. And as you say, it's when you have those nice to have products, they're going to be very, very difficult to sell when things are being cut rather than added in 2023. We had a bit of a spat recently, not you and I, but on the uh, on the airwaves on LinkedIn around the concept of outbound STR, just changing track a little bit. And yeah. in a market where things have contracted, we both agreed that, you know, this is a method that still works has its um roots based in data and evidence that it still works what's what's the argument for sdr and outbound sdr specifically to, in your world because you're doing a lot of work with companies at the moment upskilling their existing teams or creating new sdr teams yeah it's about getting attention in the right channels so it's very easy to send out a thousand emails to all of your prospects and send it out a sequence but People are blocking those emails, spam filters are editing them out before they even get a chance to be read. And a company like Cato Networks that I've been working with for the last few months, which is probably the most well-drilled, efficient, professional company I've ever been involved in, you know, being honest. Um, they're having tremendous success from reaching out to a pretty over-vendored space in security professionals, tremendous success over the phone, still 75 to 80% of all their demos across 40 to 50 SDRs are through the phone, outbound, good old fashions, cold calls, or maybe slightly warm if they've attended a webinar, but still the phone is the preferred method, the best way to cut through the noise. It's amazing how the phone is still something that people are shying away from. It's, it's like come full circle that the phone is so powerful when you just dial that number, but we do live in a generation that wants that messaging app or the email or you know, the DM coming in. And I, I sort of understand a little bit the mentality of that, the, you know, the conversation that we had online with various people around, you know, you don't want phone calls. I, I sort of get it. But actually, um, not only does it work, but we're, we're, we're seeing sort of like a, a, a legacy return. You know, that, that you know, years ago, people started sending um, written letters again because it's yeah. different. It stands out. I mean, I'd go a step, step further. I didn't actually mention this in this particular debate, but one of the sales gurus of you know decades gone uh, was a guy called Zig Ziglar, you know, quite a memorable name. 
And he used to say that if you've got a product that genuinely has a massive ROI and value for your potential prospects, you've got an obligation, not just that, to tell them about it, you've got an obligation to tell them about it. So if I genuinely am speaking to a security director and I've got a tried and tested method to completely protect his system from outside hacking, etc., then why wouldn't I be trying to reach him on any channel to tell him the good news? And and I hear the calls, I hear the recordings, and people who see the value of their products thank the SDRs for, for their approach and uh, bring it to their attention. I think that's really interesting. I've never heard that name before. I mean, can you imagine being at school? Zig Ziglar, what was his name again? Zig Ziglar, Google him afterwards. You won't regret it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it comes back to being customer centric at the end of the day and consumer centric. And you know, I've learned a lot actually listening to our client, Martin Newman, um, who we run, we produce the podcast for. When you turn everything you do into a question of, well, how does this serve the community that I'm providing our product for, our messaging for, our service for, then like, uh, like you've just said, there's no reason why you should be embarrassed, ashamed or afraid to go and take what you've got to market. Yeah, oh, no, look, in, in any channel, there'll be people that won't respond to the phone. And uh, you know, I, I completely understand that. I don't really enjoy being disturbed in my day um, you know, from, from cold calls. It's usually from, uh, from hot in Israel trying to sell me their cable service for the 50th time <laughs> that week. So I'm, I'm quite reticent to pick up the phone myself. I do understand it, but as a percentage and a, as a deficiency of time, it just still makes sense as a as a channel going forward in 2023 if you're not using the phone as part of your sdr outreach then you're not giving yourself the best chance of success talking of the phone and actually finding it harder to get hold of people um is a result obviously of the pandemic that people are working more from home or hybrid um i've gone to and throw on whether working from home works or being in an office has its advantages you know, you, it depends which time of the day you want to talk to me about it, how I feel about it. But um, I think overall, I'm probably a traditionalist that having an office where you're meeting for 60, 70 percent of the time, I can't see how that isn't a good thing if you're laser focused in your mission. Um, you know, I'm, we're working from home at the moment. We have done for the last sort of, you know, couple of months, but uh, we enjoy getting together when we yeah. are together. We think of new ideas. We push new clients forward. There's that dynamism, dynamism of working together that it's very hard to do. I still think over the digital airwaves. Yeah, and well, certainly in sales. I mean, in terms of building rapport, like one Zoom meeting is, or no, I'd say one face-to-face -face meeting is worth four or five Zoom meetings in terms of rapport and pushing the momentum along and developing those closer ties. I mean, I was one of the original work from home pioneers back in 2004, <laughs> had one of the first Skype accounts when I came to live in Israel from the UK and kept my job for the best part of uh, another nine years actually working from home. That was because there wasn't a local office. So I got used to it, et cetera, but I'm, I'd much rather that hybrid model. I wouldn't necessarily want to commute to Tel Aviv every day, but certainly at least 50% of the time it makes sense to to be connected and meeting people directly. And as you say, swapping ideas face to face, it's not the same over Zoom. I can't believe that you only want to spend 50% of your week with me. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> um, I was being generous, it's really about 20%. Though. <laughs> the, the thing that has been, I think our standout channel again is LinkedIn. 
yep. LinkedIn has just been a source of um, incredible brand awareness, personal brand growth, deals, connections, um, just being helpful, finding people jobs. Um, it continues to be the standout channel for B2B growth. And I'm still utterly shocked that 90% of the market don't seem to, to still get this. And that's why we're pushing very, very hard with our new division um, within the marketing team at Pipe to push this broadcast service, this idea of saying, how do I take what I do as a company and push that to be the media company of its sector and broadcast and just tell your story, giving yeah. huge value to the market. I mean, you and me, I think you do it better than me. Um, you're much more consistent, but we're constantly giving our stories, our insights, our growth, and we know it works. I mean, I, I just love being there. It's an enjoyable space. I learn a lot. I give a lot. Um, you know, why is LinkedIn so great for you, Simon? Uh, I think it's great on a number of levels. First of all, um, just in, I think there will never be such a good and effective B2B channel ever. I mean, it's the best in history. Doesn't cost anything, really. It's pretty much a free platform. As you say, learning a lot from professionals in my space. I've been able to find a lot of people jobs through my own networks and just connecting people, which has been a real added bonus. As you know, we've brought in most of our clients have come as an inbound results of CEOs of tech companies at a certain stage you need to grow, just saying, I enjoyed your post about um, this particular aspect of sales. Can we speak about how you might be able to assist us as a company as well? Um, but it's really just about giving advice, hearing from you know, having some honest debates as well, hearing what other people think in the space. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's gonna keep getting stronger and stronger as more people are aware of how powerful it is and more people get involved and contribute. The amount of times I um, sort of bump into people in the street and they say, oh, I've been following your LinkedIn post for years and I didn't even know they were on LinkedIn, for example. So there's a lot of lurkers in the background. As you say, they're not using it probably, it depends on their role in the company as well. But if you're in a, commercial facing role or if you're a very senior professional CEO for example I think if you're not on LinkedIn con consistently and telling the story and as we call it hosting the party in the sector then you're effectively trying to run your company with one hand behind your back. Fully agree and you know I've been taking the sort of Gary V Kool-Aid for a long time on this and it just works and whenever we've gone into companies and we've said, right, what's your broadcast strategy? How are you going to be the, the chat show for your sector? Nobody wants the commercial. It, I think that's the difference. This is the greatest time and the most incredible opportunity ever to be able to broadcast your message to millions of people that do not know you and can find you as a result of it still on LinkedIn. Um, is just so powerful. And like you say, anyone customer facing, CEO brand, VP sales, SDRs, I'm seeing doing it, it brilliantly. You mentioned Carmela at Cato before. I know she's a big advocate of pushing her SDRs to post on LinkedIn and it just works. And well, again, it's not the commercial. People... It's not the commercial. It's the chat. Exactly that point I was about work. to say. People buy from people. So LinkedIn themselves are deprioritizing companies posting too much in, well, in terms of how much recognition they get within LinkedIn and how many views they get, for example. And ultimately, as yeah, people buy from people. So it's they, you want to know 
maybe about people's vulnerabilities, about their views outside of the pure commercial in, in agreement that you're normally entering into. So I find it really helpful. Um, found it helpful before um, I was working at Pipe, for example. I found it, always found it a very, very helpful channel to just have deeper relationships across anyone following you within the industry. On that point, we've mentioned LinkedIn and finding people jobs and it being a much more difficult market and you know layoffs, unfortunately, have happened. For sales professionals or revenue generating roles, what's your best advice on how to go about finding their next gig? So I, I have probably four or five conversations a week, maybe more. I've got one just after we speak now. Um, about helping people to, to find their next gig. And I, I treat it like a sales process in its own right. So you'd, you'd have your list of prospects. What you don't want to do is be applying directly without trying to, certainly using LinkedIn or your own connection base to have a warm introduction. I had a, like a, an unfortunate example of that recently when someone who was a top, top notch AE had applied to a company um, and they hadn't had a response, et cetera. But I knew someone in the company, so I'd, I'd message them, say, listen, this is the person I want to introduce them to you. This is their background, their CV, their industry expertise. They're like, wow, this is, we're looking for this exact fit. This it couldn't be scripted better than this. So I said, okay, great, I'll send it the CV through. And then they said, well, actually, oh no, did you, and have they applied already? I said, they've applied already. They said, well, they've been rejected by our system the first time, so they have to wait at least six months before wow. they reapply now they he would have hired that person probably you know the drop of a hat but because of the internal systems it was impossible to do it whereas that's why it's always worth getting that warmer introduction and i'd always there's always going to be someone certainly in, in the israeli tech economy where you're going to have someone that you know that could get you a foot in the door we're thinking about 2023 uh we don't need to share all our secrets here but We've got big, big plans for Pipe. Um, obviously, we focused over the last few years solely on the sales advisory, um, but we want to branch into some of the other areas that are so critical for success of sales. So whether it's people, marketing, customer success, or even the tech stack that um, companies are using, these things all help thread the needle of being successful. Uh, what are you most excited for in terms of the, the future of Pipe and, and particularly in 2023 and how we shift our focus to help companies in new ways? Well, I think it's just sales has been at the, at the pivot of what we've been doing all along. And we've started, well, we've not started, we've done quite a few on, on the projects on the marketing side and we've brought in a, you know, a great talent in J.D. Raviv to lead our marketing efforts, some a very experienced CMO. So that, that marketing element is, is great. We, we, we already understand how that ties into sales, the marketing and sales side. And with one of our clients, we had tremendous success on the customer success side, helping upsell, cross-sell. So that's, I think, a very exciting opportunity, <coughs> excuse me, where we'll be able to, to knit that all through together. And going into 2023, when investors and companies are going to be judged on not just um, the revenue they're bringing in, but their their churn rate and how much they're able to upsell, cross-sell and retain clients. I think that's an area where we can provide a lot of value as well. Having worked across that in previous companies, been very involved in the customer success um, element of that. So I think that's very exciting for number one. And the, and the second 
which we haven't really leveraged as much as we could do just because we've been, as you know, like so up to our neck busy, <laughs> is the, the luminous sales. Um, because very much when we come into companies, often we don't have that opportunity. We haven't really pitched how effective that would be. But we're judging the, the people. We're, we're making immediate calls on the, the sales team, like what their personalities are like, where that could help them in the process, where that can maybe hold them back. And we've got a tool at our disposal where we're able to provide cutting insights into how someone's personality can help them in the sales process and at every stage of it, whether it be originating the deal or, or closing. I love that. I almost forgot to mention it. And uh, mindset is absolutely key. Uh, I know myself, you know, how I'm showing up matters. It matters on a day-to-day -day basis and it matters on a macro level um, of, of the emotional intelligence, the mindset shift, understanding your absolute skill set and, and where you're perhaps weaker and how you need to play that up. This has been used in sports forever. You know, mindset is everything. You know, when a striker hasn't scored for, you know, a handful of games and their mind's just not there, it's the same with salespeople. And yeah. uh, just getting them back on track, giving them that pep talk, understanding that they've got that that skill set and to, to hone in on it. I think also what you said about customer success, totally agree with probably one of the areas that I'm actually getting very excited for. You know, seeing the success that we've had early on with helping customer success teams who, you know, need to be viewed as part of the sales pipeline. You know, they are a critical part of upselling, cross-selling. And as you always famously say, it's never easier to sell than when you've just sold to a client. And when is that moment? It's when they're speaking to customer success. It's not just support and training. These people should be fully empowered with sales skills to um, expand clients. And that's going to be really important in 2023. Not only how to keep clients and avoid churn, but how to, to grow clients so that they become bigger accounts. So two big areas we're excited for. Proudest moment over 2023? Uh, sorry, 2022, I'm jumping ahead. Do you have uh, I, think, I wouldn't say any particular moment stands out. I think it's just the way we've grown from January 1st, 2021 till December the 31st, the amount of extra clients that we, we've been able to thankfully work with, the quality of work we've produced. We, we, we've made mistakes on the way, um, as any business has done. You know, there's certain things we haven't been really good at, and we've tried to really improve um, our understanding of those areas. And to deliver the absolute best service to all of our clients. And ultimately, just like any type of sales, I mean, we're effectively selling our service. It's about the ROI we give to our customers. And judging by the testimonials coming in, you know, I'm not saying we've nailed it 100%, but we're certainly on the right path. And we're, we can hand on heart say all the clients we've worked with in 2022, we've left them in a better place than when we started working together. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like that. Mo that uh, that resonates. I remember David Cameron saying to his cabinet that, um, you know, the first day that they were in office in like 2010, saying, you know, our job is to leave the country in a better position than how we found it. I'm not necessarily sure that's going to be the case, but in, <laughs> in the case of the Tory government, but um, yeah. in our case, I think that's our guiding principle that you're left with a uh, an increased ability to grow your revenue, grow your people um, and grow your business as a result of the work that we do with you. And we've started to really codify our methodology. 
And yeah. I've seen that through the the work that we're doing with companies ar around playbooks, systems and operations, and just process. And I think that's becoming more and more important that companies need to understand as they're, as they're growing, that they need to codify what they're doing because it becomes a, you know, a Bible for what works. And if you can, if you can document that and train people in quicker, it gets them to, to, to ramp up quicker. The impact is quicker. And I think I've been personally proud of how we've done that, how we've, you know, taken our own methodology and gone, gone into companies and understood quickly their, their essence and how they do things and been able to put that down on paper and then train it in and implement it in their teams. I think that's been a big innovation and I've personally enjoyed doing it. Yeah, look, we've worked with about 70 clients now, so we've seen almost every scenario going. So I think we've been, what we've been good at is being able to extrapolate from each client um, a new way of looking at the market and dealing with it in the right way. So that, that's an experience that most sort of CROs and VP sales won't have. They might have worked with two or three companies in the last five or six years, and sometimes they piggybacked on the success of a product that was going to sell with or without them. So having that experience, that broadness of experience, and using that each time to sell in a better, more effective way, I, I agree with you. I think that's become something we've codified and be able to, to develop on behalf of our clients and add increased value for them. So look, Simon, as we wrap up this podcast, predictions for 2023, predictions for us, where we're heading and what you think we'll, we'll be talking about on this episode next year, um, and predictions for the, for the market, the sales market, tech market, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, I think for us, I think what well, well, we've already seen like, we've got, uh, in terms of the volume of requests to, to speak with us, there's a lot of um, demand for the type of service we're offering, that outsource service where probably COVID fast-tracked that when people weren't having their VP sales or CRO sitting next to them or in the next office. They've got used to the fact that they weren't necessarily there all the time. Um, companies that are cutting back naturally don't want to have an expensive um, professional at that level on their books full time. So I think it benefits the likes of Pipe Global and other outsourced or CMO, fractional CMO, CRO type of services. So that's on the pipe side. In terms of the, the general sales, I mean, there's a lot of doom and gloom. I mean, I'm reading um, Carlist every day and Globes and seeing all the predictions, mainly from the VCs, etc. And there's not a lot of optimism out there for next year. Um, and there will be companies, unfortunately, that will really struggle, particularly ones that are running out of runway and their revenue isn't really ramping up and their costs are out of control a little bit. So that, that one thing that they can obviously cut back on costs, but if they're not increasing their revenue, then eventually they're going to hit that wall and run out of money. But at the same time, we're seeing amongst our own customers, if you've got a real value and you can show that you can demonstrate an ROI, you can help companies that to be more efficient, more effective, and generate more on their bottom line, there's going to be a lot of winners going forward and that the top technologies are still going to win out. You know, some of the other areas like around tech, for example, I think prediction will be that if we look back at 2023, this time next year, we would have seen the continued growth of all of the um, like revenue intelligence type platforms. So obviously Gong is the big daddy in that. But, you know, I met, for example, um, the CEO of Substrata who's yeah. bringing emotional intelligence oh, yeah. and AI yeah. and uh, to, to how we write emails. Um, 
all of those types of companies, I think, will play more and more of a role in the sales process. And I think we'll, we'll see that continue over 2023, especially as companies actually in this market where they are not investing as heavily in people will look to tech to take on some of that role. Um, so I think, I think that'll be a prediction. And I think a continued doubling down on social media, particularly LinkedIn, obviously, for B2B, you know, these are still the behemoths. This is still the best way to get your brand, business, and people seen in the marketplace by people who do not know you. So I think there'll be a continued growth of that broadcast marketing alongside, you know, traditional digital marketing efforts um, over over the next year. So um, I'm excited. Um, you know, yeah, it's going to be an exciting for, year, despite all, all the profits of doom out there. Uh, yeah, look, it's it's mindset again. We spoke about mindset. If you're going into the game already losing in your mind, it's not going to be an easy uh, easy twelve months. Um, yeah, I think I think there's there's huge opportunity out there, and I think the good people will still win. The products that deliver ROI will survive, um, and you know, for us, I think we'll continue to just be that source of valued, trusted, proven advisors that can get you to your destination quicker. Yeah, certainly agree with that, Rob. Okay, Mr. Gersler, uh, we'll wrap it up. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everyone listening. um, And looking forward to everything that next year brings. 